0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. As you saw, we are in a series called Signs of Life, um, basically tracking the activity of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. And um, Tim kind of kicked us off last week, and this week uh, we get to do the second installment, which is about how the Holy Spirit strengthens us. Uh, More specifically, how the Holy Spirit strengthens us in times of fear. Uh, When fear wants to drive the boat, how does the Holy Spirit come alongside us and help us make better decisions and stuff like that. So uh, to start, uh, I want to tell you something. Uh, Most people that know me, that are pretty close with me, um, they know that I have two pretty big fears in life. And I'm going to get very real with you guys this morning. I'm going to share with you my two biggest fears. Now, one of them is pretty run-of-the-mill, and the second one is super weird, okay? But don't judge me, all right? Because I know some of y'all got some weird fears out there, too, like, you know, snake clowns and stuff like that. So fear number one, I'm afraid of drowning, deathly afraid of drowning. I hate the ocean. I don't like it. I don't even like pools. I don't like above-ground pools. I don't even like kiddie pools because you could trip and fall and go face first. I don't like it, okay? (laughs) So number one, big fear number one is drowning. Fear number two. It's whales, okay? It's whales. Now, hold on. I need to explain this. Don't just hold on, all right? I'm afraid of whales. I was 10 years old, and I was watching like National Geographic or some kind of animal show, and they had this video of a whale playing with a diver, and it grabbed her leg and pulled her into the water, and then it brought her back up, but that's just ridiculous because that'll never happen, but it happened, and I was like, oh my gosh, I never ever want to see a whale ever in my life again. It, it ruined me forever. So one time we went on a trip on a whale watch with a bunch of uh, schoolmates, and um, it was a nightmare. I sat in the middlemost part of the boat, just like looking down, trying to eat pudding snacks and stuff like that, just to pretend like I wasn't there. Uh, so yeah, two biggest fears. Now, uh, again, going back to the drowning thing, uh, I'm really afraid of, of water. I just don't like it. And I was 16 years old, and uh, I was part of this leadership group thing uh, for the youth group. And they said, hey, guys, we're going on a trip to N- uh, New Hampshire. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do some leadership training. I was like, great. So I get there. And they're like, hey, guys, leadership training 101. The first thing we're doing is whitewater rafting. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it was horrible. Like, I was like, no, this is like tailor-made for the fears of my life, like drowning and chaos and uncontrolled circumstances. I'm like, no. But, uh, you know, everybody was doing it, and so I said, all right, well, I'm with a bunch of people I know. They've never done it before, and they're okay. Uh, And then the second thing that really helped me was that uh, the guy literally called himself the master of the river. The guy who was teaching us, he was like, I'm the river master, what's up? And he had like one tooth, and he was like this big mountain guy, he was like, I got you guys. Let's get in the boat. So the first couple of minutes, we just spend all this time like, talking about what to do when you like, fall out of the boat. I'm like, ain't nobody falling out of that boat, right? Now. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll take five people with me and stand on top of them, jump back in the boat. There is no way I'm falling out of that boat. So sure enough, we get in the boat, and we're going down the river, and the river master, he's like, all right, guys, here we're going to do. All right, when I say go, you're going to paddle as hard as you can. When I say stop, you're going to stop. When I say sit down, you sit down. I'm like, all right, here we go. So we get in the boat, we're going down, and sure enough, every time something was going down, every time something got weird, every time I wanted to, you know, just find a way to the shore and get out of it, he was like, all right, everybody sit down. So I sat down, right? Now, the funny thing about that story and kind of why I'm bringing that all up is because uh, as long as, like, the master of the river was in the boat, giving me direction, telling me what to do, telling me how to do it, uh, it didn't necessarily make me less afraid but I was able to do the thing that I was asked to do. Does that make sense? It's like fear is a very real, very uh, common part of our lives. We all have fear in some areas. Uh, The Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily just come come along and zap the fear away. He comes along and supports us, right? He says, you can do this. We can get through this together. I know you're afraid, but we're gonna do it together. And so um, you're gonna hear me say something uh, a few times this morning as I go through my sermon. Um, When we talk about the activity of the Holy Spirit, and what he does and how he works in our lives, it's always going to be to accomplish three things, okay? And pay attention. It is going to be to grow you up, love people, and make a big deal about Jesus. You get that? Whenever the Holy Spirit moves in our life and wants to prompt us or uh, help us in some way uh, and, and begin moving among us, it's because he wants you to grow up in your faith, love someone else, or make a big deal about Jesus, It is never to embarrass you, it is never to make you look foolish, it is never to uh, scare you, it is always going to be growing you up, loving people, making a big deal about Jesus. So you're going to hear me say that a bunch, all right? So uh, again, we are talking about how the Holy Spirit strengthens us to overcome fear. Now uh, we're going to highlight three things and it's called, uh, we're calling them fill-ups this morning. Um, you can thank Lauren for that. We're calling him Phillips this morning because, uh, rather than just writing something in, we're actually talking about three opportunities, uh, that the Holy Spirit can fill us up in times of fear in times when we need the strength of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you say, Lord, fill me up with so on and so forth. So that's where we're going. Um, Last thing I'll say is basically the big overview of what we're doing this morning is we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit strengthens us. Um, we're going to make a big deal about Jesus. And then at the end of the service, we're all going to pray for each other. It's going to be awesome. Everybody ready for that? Yes, we've been doing a lot of that lately, I'm loving it, I love seeing the church get together and pray for one another, so we're going to do it again. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, we thank you that um, you are moving among us um, as the people of Seacoast, that you're just making stuff happen all over the place, Um, and so we just love you, we want to join in whatever you're doing at any time, Father, in your name we pray, amen. Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read, uh, we're starting in Acts chapter 4, okay, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. I've got to pull it up on my phone here because I left my Bible at home. So, uh, good pastor, I know. Um, so hang on a second while I pull it up, and I'll go ahead and read it for you. Just talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> All right, so uh, Acts chapter 4. Uh, it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the other high priests of the family. Remember Caiaphas, that's important. Uh, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power Or what name did you do this? And then verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and we'll get to that later. So, all right. So here we have Peter in a moment uh, where he is surrounded by a bunch of religious folks, people who have already imprisoned him, people who are already uh, very scary individuals in the community. They have a lot of power. And Peter is going to act filled with the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to flash back to a different time in Peter's life before this, a time when he was surrounded by a very similar group of people, and uh, it didn't quite go the way that we would want it to. So imagine you're Peter. Uh, it's it's dark. Uh, you've been hanging out with Jesus for years, and now things are just taking a weird turn. He's getting very uh, somber. He's talking about death a lot. And like at one point, you said, "Hey, don't talk so much about death." And he was like, "Called me Satan," and it was terrible. And there was this whole moment where like things are just getting weird. And so you're sitting there in the garden, and and Jesus is praying a few feet away, and all of a sudden. Out of nowhere, men with torches and clubs and axes come, come, come running out to take Jesus away. All right? So in that moment, if you were Peter, you'd probably be a little afraid, right? You'd be like, oh, what's happening? So Peter being Peter, where he just basically shoots first, shoots some more, and when everybody's dead, try to ask a question or two. He's afraid, so he pulls out a sword and chops the guy's ear off. Whack, right? And then Jesus does something crazy. He picks the guy's ear up and puts it back on. And we don't have time to talk about that, but that's insane. Um, so he puts the guy's ear on. He's like, Peter, calm down. We're not doing that. Now what does he do? Okay, Peter is afraid. His first reaction was violence. Let's just go. Let's do this. And Jesus says, no, we're not doing that. So now uh, they're taking Jesus away, and Peter's kind of following a few feet uh, or maybe a couple hundred yards behind them, and uh, Jesus goes into the house where he's being uh, sort of put on trial, and Peter is kind of gathered outside uh, around a fire, and there's a bunch of people there, and somebody says, don't I know you? Peter's like, well, no, I don't know. He says, no, you're the guy that follows Jesus. He said, no, I don't think so. Got the wrong guy. And uh, they said, no, no, no. My cousin was the guy with the ear. That was you, wasn't it? He goes, no, no, no. Wasn't me. One more time. He says, no, really. I think that was you with Jesus. He goes, look, I don't know the man. right. Fear takes over. Fear starts driving the boat. And he's like, I don't know this man. I don't want anything to do. I'm just cutting and getting out of there. Has anybody ever been in that moment? where you just like, where fear was totally driving the boat and it was like, I know what I should be doing right now, but I'm good. I'm just going to go another direction. I've been there plenty of times. Um, And so uh, how do we get to this moment here where Peter is now going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he's going to say some really cool stuff? See, um, he's standing here in front of, first of all, Caiaphas, okay? Caiaphas was the guy who orchestrated Jesus being captured and ultimately sent to Pontius Pilate to be killed. This is the same Caiaphas. So now he's standing there. He's just been arrested. Um, And then in verse 8, it says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's very important because the word filled, um, it's this Greek word, pimpremi, something like that, pimpremi, and it literally means like swelling. It's like a medical term. It means to be swelled up. Uh, That's important to know because when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, uh, when, when he begins to uh, act on your behalf, it's sort of in the moment. You don't just kind of get zapped uh, with strength and all of a sudden, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. What's up? Let's do this. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, you get swelled up in the moment uh, because Jesus' is, uh, Holy Spirit's working in your life and that's what's happening here. So uh, standing before relatively the same people, Uh, all these people that have condemned Jesus are now pointing fingers at him saying, what are you doing? Why why are you acting this way? Who's, Who's in charge here? He doesn't run. He doesn't act violently. He stays. So your first fill up is this, is that when you feel fear starting to drive the boat, starting to take over, the Holy Spirit, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, fill us up with boldness. Fill us up with boldness. And what that means is, just let me engage. I don't want to run. I don't want to act violently. I want to pause, and I want to engage. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in this moment. Uh, The first step in the Holy Spirit strengthening us is that we have to be bold and stay in the moment. How many times have you found yourself running from a moment where Jesus could have actually moved? Like, Jesus wants to move in your life. He wants to move in the lives of the people that you interact with. And there's so many times we kind of shortcut that because we start getting afraid, and we go, no, I'm good. I don't want to look stupid. Or, no, I don't want to be a part of that. And miss an opportunity. And so the Holy Spirit can fill us up to be bold and say, you know what? I'm going to engage. Make sense? All right. Very good. So I found myself in that on more than one occasion. Um, some of you might know, I do a little bit of bar ministry here and there. Go hang out with a bunch of weirdos. It's a lot of fun. I'm one of them. It's great. So one night, I'm down in Merle's Inlet. And uh, I'm just kind of hanging out. And I'm surveying the situation. And I'm looking at different people. And um, I get up to go to the bathroom. And when I come back, my chair is gone. I was like, what in the world? Where's my chair? I still got my food to eat. I was like, what happened? So I look over, and a guy had taken my chair and put his backpack on it, which normally I would have been like, you know, it's fine, whatever, I'll just sit somewhere else. But it was packed in there, and I didn't want to eat standing up, like holding my plate, trying to like cut a steak. So uh, I'm like, well, maybe I should just say something. So I turn over to the guy, and I said, hey, man, looks like your backpack stole my chair. Ha, <laughs> ha. And then what happened was the weirdest thing because it was not normal social behavior. He does this. And then just goes right back to what he was doing. Like I was nothing. Like I wasn't even a person. Like normally people socially just go, ha, 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 sorry, you know. Nothing. Just looked at me like I was invisible and then went right back to what he was doing. And I was like, whew, that was intimidating. I was like, I've never had somebody just straight ghost me like I wasn't even there. So, Now I've got an opportunity. I'm standing there and I'm going, all right, what do I do here? And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm like, I'm here to do ministry. So (laughs) I'm standing there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you're right, you are. So turn around and talk to that guy. I'm like, I'm not talking to that guy. (laughs) I'm like, this guy just seems crazy. I'm not going to go have a conversation with this dude. She's like, nope, you're going to do it. I was like, all right. So I turn around, stick my hand out. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm Doug. What's your name? He looks back at me. I I'm Ben. And Jake's and I'm like, all right, let's do this. So for the next hour, uh, me and this guy have this great conversation. Um, he ended up telling me his whole life story that he just got out of prison about a month ago. Um... And uh, he was really struggling in life. He couldn't figure out uh, how to get work because he was having a really hard time and, and just all these different things. And by the end of it, I was able to pray for this guy right there in the bar, tell him how much God loves him, tell him that uh, there's redemption for everyone, uh, pray for God to move in his life so he can, so he can get a job uh, so that way he can start paying child support and get on the road to you know, reconnecting with his children again. Uh, it was this beautiful moment, but it never would have happened if I didn't stay engaged. If I didn't listen for the Holy Spirit and say, all right, you're telling me to engage Let's do it. Make sense? Cool. Um, Because remember, it's about growing up, loving people, and making a big deal about Jesus. Amen? All right. Let's keep going. Uh, Verse 13 uh, says this. Let me find it real quick. Um, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What I find interesting about that is like the Bible just sort of translated as they took note. And it's kind of just this throwaway like, oh, those guys are with Jesus. But what it actually means is that when they say they took note, it literally means that they were fully aware that these men had been with Jesus. Meaning that there was no doubt in their mind. There was no question. There was no nothing. They were like, oh, these are Jesus people. You, that? you ever had Has anybody ever experienced that? Where like, you're just like, you have an interaction with someone and you're like, oh, you're a Jesus person, aren't you? <laughs> like, all right, that's what happened in this moment where it was like, wow, okay, I fully understand. There's no question that you follow Jesus. Um, and the cool thing is, is that I know sometimes we feel afraid because we don't know what to say. You're like, ah, I don't, know. I don't know what words to use. I don't know uh, if I'm supposed to say the right thing. How many these and thou should I put in there when I talk? You know, like stuff like that. You know, like how many, how many in the, you know, the world runs forth and the sky opens? and just, I don't know. I'm just saying some people get freaked out when they try to speak to somebody. But uh, the Holy Spirit will fill us up with wisdom in the moment. That's your second feeling. So the Holy Spirit fills us up with wisdom in the moment. And you can ask for that. If you begin to engage, you're like, all right, I'm here now. Now what? You say, Lord, give me wisdom. It's one, of the, it's one of the promises of God that if you ask for wisdom, he'll actually give it to you. It's true. It's a true story. I promise. And um, so I can remember uh, one time I was, uh, I was with a group of friends. We were all spending time together. And, and um, I kind of knew like everybody a little bit, but I didn't necessarily know everybody really closely. But we're all hanging out. And all of a sudden, God's like, you need to check on this person. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I was like I'm, I'm like, I'm here for me. Like, I'm here for, like, community and, and getting right. And I was like, I don't want to be talking to anybody right now. Uh, it's true. People do go through that. It's okay. You can admit it. Sometimes you don't want to talk to people. I get it. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do it. Plus, I don't know what to say. And God's like, nope. You just need to ask her how she's doing and tell her that you noticed that things weren't going so well and you want to hear how they're doing. I was like, all right. So shout out a little text message. Took about a day and a half because I couldn't do it right then and there. So about a day and a half later, I was like, hey. This is weird, but I just wanted to see how you were doing. I feel like I could see it on your face. You know, what's up? Well, come to find out there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. It was exactly what she needed. It was this beautiful moment where God showed up and loved a person, you know, grow us up, love people, make a big deal about Jesus. So this was a uh, moment where somebody felt loved. Make sense? See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. So it was really cool, but I didn't know what I was saying. I just engaged and then said something, you know, and sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it's not about saying the perfect right thing. If you've already engaged, then chances are what you're about to say to them is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? Like, it's not like this audible voice, like speaking in your mind, like say this, and you're like a ventriloquist going, This is what God has to say. It's not like that. <laughs> if you've engaged, the Holy Spirit inspires, you speak, and God uses it. That's how it works. There's no magic to it. The Holy Spirit wants to grow you up, love people, and make a big deal about Jesus. It's very simple. So, uh, if we keep going, uh, uh, Peter ends up saying some really intense things to these people. Uh, Let me go back to it. Um, In verse... Hold on, wait for it. Okay, so, verse 10, he says this. He says, then, know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay? If Peter was afraid to say who he was following before, he has now used Jesus' full name. Okay? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's not playing around anymore. He is so filled with courage. He's like, he can't, he can't not say that he's following Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's engaged, he's been given wisdom, and now he's speaking some serious truth bombs to the people that actually were part of orchestrating the death of Jesus. And he says, it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then he says, Whom you crucified. Points right at him this is on you folks. Now that takes some boldness, right? That takes some courage. That takes a level of courage I don't know if I'd have because I'm standing in front of people who would kill me and I'm like uh you killed that guy so I'm with him. I could never do that, but he does. Um, And he says, so whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you rejected, uh, but he has become the cornerstone. It's this beautiful moment where where, uh, Peter preaches the good news of Jesus, that we have a new church being built on him and what he did for us, and that's who I follow. And that's what I want in my life. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I want in my life. I want God to be the center of my world, that when I say my life is built on something, it's built on Christ, you know? So there you have it. Philip uh, number three is pretty simple. It says, uh, Holy Spirit, fill us up with courage. That once we engage, once you give us the words to say, give us the courage to act it out confidently, boldly, that it's not about, uh, it's not about what I say. It's not about me being right. It's not about uh, looking stupid in front of people. It is about making a big deal about Jesus. I love that. So uh, now here's this sort of last part. Um, Have you ever just wondered why God just doesn't take stuff away? You ever like like, God, I'm like super afraid all the time. I have a lot of fear. Can you just make it not so? I've had those prayers before, and they don't happen usually. Uh, It's very rare that God would just be like, all right, you're done. Now, I have a little story to tell you. Um, My son, Dougie, uh, he got bit by a dog uh, about eight months ago, something like that. And uh, and when I say bit by a dog, I don't mean like a little, I mean like he was like chomped by a dog on his arm. It was really bad. Uh, uh, I left a pretty big uh, sort of emotional mark on my boy. Like he, he's afraid of dogs now. Uh, and when I say afraid, I mean we were at Market Common and uh, a dog kind of came up alongside of us and we didn't see it coming. And uh, my little one saw it first, so I grabbed him, and then when I went to go grab my other son, he was gone. He had ran across the street. Uh, to the other side of the road without even looking. It was, it was the most scary moment of my entire parenthood so far. I was like, oh, my God, where's my son? She was like, oh, he's over there, like, you know, at the park at Market. I was like, how did he get all the way over there? I didn't even see him. So he ran. So I was like, all right, we got to work on this. Like, we got to work on this fear thing because I'm not going to be there to be able to grab him every time. So we got to work on this. So Halloween was coming up, and I said, son, which Kane is a good motivator. I said, son, we are going to people's houses, and there's going to be dogs there. I said, but this is our opportunity to be brave. And he was like, be brave. I was like, yes, son, we're going to learn how to be brave. I'm going to be with you the whole time. I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to knock on doors. We're going to be confident, and we're going to do it. You're going to be okay. And he was like, all right, Dad. And I said, you know why? And he said, why? I said, because not all dogs are bad. I was like, bad things happen sometimes, but not all dogs are bad, and we're going to do this. I was like, all right. So sure enough, second house we go to, we hear barking in the background, and I feel him tense up, and he's holding my hand. He's like, I'm like, I kneeled down. I'm like, all right, son, we're going to do this together. We're going to be brave, right? He's like, yeah, we're going to be brave. Like, all right, let's go. So we walk up to the house. I said, go knock on that door. So he goes knocking on the door. The person comes out. Oh, you look so cute, little pirate. Uh, you know, you know. And he's like, candy. And they <laughs> gave him some candy. And he was like, thanks. Grabbed his hand. We walked out. It was this beautiful moment where he overcame his fear. Now, we had to do it again. There was another house. Tensed up. He was afraid. I don't want to do this. I said, son, I'm with you. You can do this. You're going to be all right. All right, Dad. So here we go, second house. That happened about three or four more times. And we get to the end of it. And he's like, I did it, Dad. I was brave. This was awesome. And I'm like, yes, it was. And I'm like wiping tears out of my eyes. I'm like, oh, God. So it's this beautiful like, parent moment, you know? So uh, the funny thing about that and, and sort of why I tell you that part of the story is that um, God is always going to be about growing us up loving people and making a big deal about Jesus. And in that moment, as much as I would want to just take my son's fear away, as much as I would want to be like, okay, you're not afraid anymore, you're good, I wouldn't change that moment with my son for the world, right? Because him and I now have this, have this bond that's built even more than what we had before. Now we have this mutual trust, we have this, this relationship that we're building together, and that's the same thing that God wants to do in every one of you. That he doesn't want to be your genie, He doesn't want to be like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? He wants to be with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to work in and through your circumstances to help you grow up in Christ. And so, come on up here, Chip. Um, So, the Holy Spirit is always going to be after growing us up, making a big deal about Jesus and loving people. I can't say that enough because I don't want you guys to be afraid or um, or let fear take the wheel when He could use you in your life. It'll change you for the better. And so here's what we're going to do. All right, we're going to pray for each other uh, because that's like my favorite thing to do. So everybody stand up. So here's why we're going to do this. Uh, We're going to get some music going, but here's what I want you to do. Uh, Everybody is going to pray for everybody, all right? Just if you don't have somebody to pray for, raise a hand, whatever, but here's how we're going to do this. I want every single one of us to turn to somebody. If you don't know them, shake their hand, introduce yourself. Only take about a minute, all right? We don't need King James prayers up in here. We're just being honest and talking to God for one another, okay? So I just want you to pray one of those three things, boldness, wisdom, or courage over another person. Everybody understand? Everybody got the directions? All right, so I'm going to pray real quick, and then I just want you to shake hands with somebody, see them. It could be two or three people, and just make sure everybody gets prayed for. Got it? Here we go. Jesus, you are awesome. We love you, and we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit come and move among us, that you continue to do what you do best and give strength and courage and wisdom to your people, Father God. In your name we pray, amen. All right, family, get to it. Pray for one another. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.